Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is April 3rd. In 1860, the Pony Express, a new faster mail service using riders on horseback relay instead of the traditional stagecoaches, began service between St. Joseph, Missouri and Sacramento, California. The Pony Express reduced the time for mail to travel from the Atlantic to the Pacific coast to around 10 days. Young men once rode horses to carry mail from Missouri to California in the unprecedented time of only 10 days. This relay system along the Pony Express National Historic Trail crossing eight states was the most direct and practical means of east-west communications in 1860. From Missouri to California, the Pony Express riders could deliver a letter faster than ever before. The Pony Express was only in operation for 18 months between April 1860 and October of 1861. Nevertheless, the Pony Express has become synonymous with the Old West. In an era before easy mass communication, the Pony Express was the thread that tied east to west. Thousands of people moved west on the Oregon and California Trail starting in the 1840s, followed by the 1847 Mormon Exodus to Utah and the 1849 Gold Rush. The growing west needed fast mail communication beyond the Rocky Mountains. William H. Russell, Alexander Majors, and William B. Waddle com- created the Central, Over- Central Overland California and Pikes Peak Express Company to carry mail across the country, later became known as the Pony Express. On June 16, 1860, about 10 weeks after the Pony Express began operations, Congress authorized a bill to subsidize a transcontinental telegraph line to connect the Missouri River and the Pacific Coast. The result, this resulted in the incorporation of the Overland Telegraph Company of California and the Pacific Telegraph Company of Nebraska. While the telegraph lines were under construction, the Pony Express operated as usual. Letters and newspapers traveled the entire length of the line from St. Joseph to Sacramento. The telegrams went only between rapidly advancing wire ends. It was on October 26th of 1861 that San Francisco was in direct contact with New York City. The Pony Express was officially terminated. In November of 1861, the last Pony Express letters completed their journey. Most of the original trail has been obliterated by time or human activities. Along many segments, the trail's actual route and exact length are matters of conjecture. In the western states, the majority of the trail has been converted over the years to double-track dirt roads. Short, pristine segments believed to be traces of the original trail can be seen in Utah and California. However, approximately 120 historic sites may eventually be available to the public. This includes 50 existing Pony Express stations or station ruins. In 1974, 148 tornadoes hit North America from Georgia to Canada within 16 hours, and at times there were as many as 15 separate tornadoes on the ground at one time. The super outbreak affected a total of 13 U.S. states and Ontario in Canada. The April 3rd and 4th, 1974 super outbreak affected 13 states across the eastern United States from the Great Lakes region all the way to the Deep South. In all, 148 tornadoes were documented from this event, of which 95 were rated F2 or stronger on the Fujita scale, and 30 were F4 or F5. F5 is the strongest category for tornadoes. 
Aside from all the catastrophic damage they left behind, the tornadoes resulted in 335 deaths and more than 6,000 injuries. Some of the strongest tornadoes from this outbreak occurred right here in the Ohio Valley. Dozens of tornadoes struck Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky, resulting in 159 deaths, over 4,000 injuries, and hundreds of millions of dollars of property damage. Two violent F5 tornadoes destroyed much of a western suburb of Cincinnati in Ohio, resulting in 34 deaths. The Xenia tornado was the deadliest of all tornadoes from this outbreak and remains among the top 10 costliest U.S. tornadoes on record, approximately $250 million in 1974. Several other strong F2 to F4 tornadoes also touched down during the super outbreak across southeast Indiana, northern Kentucky, and southwest Ohio. In an area that today encompasses the National Weather Service Wilmington's Ohio's warning area. National Weather Service office boundaries and technology were quite different back in 1974. The Weather Service office, WSO, in Cincinnati served the greater Cincinnati tri-state area, while WSO Dayton was responsible for the Miami Valley and the west central Ohio. In those days, not every NWS office was equipped with a radar. A WSR, or Weather Surveillance Radar, 1957, was installed at Cincinnati in 1960, giving the meteorologist coarse reflectivity data but no velocity data, which made it extremely difficult to detect tornadoes. Storms on the radar screen were traced into thin paper maps, and meteorologists heavily relied on the manifestation of hook echoes, as well as spotter reports when issuing tornado warnings. Dayton did not have a radar of its own, but utilized a facsimile machine tied to Cincinnati's WSR-57, also known by its identifier, CVG, display. When the CVG radar displayed hook echoes and other impressive storm features outside of Cincinnati's warning area, on April 3rd, meteorologists there made calls to appropriate neighboring offices. At one point, the CVG radar displayed five distinct hook echoes, more than meteorologists there had ever seen before. Shortly after 4.30 p.m., a call was made to Cincinnati to Dayton to ensure that they had seen the hook echoes too, of which one was a quickly approaching Xenia. In fact, the National Weather Service in Dayton had already issued a tornado warning for Montgomery and Greene counties around 4.10, in effect until 5 p.m., based on radar indication of a possible tornado 25 miles northeast of Cincinnati moving northeastward. The tornado touched down about 4.33 near Lower Bellbrook Road, flattened much of the Windsor Park and Arrowhead subdivisions minutes later, and then roared into central Xenia around 4.40. In the following months, careful analysis of all the damage led Dr. Fujita and other experts to determine that the Xenia tornado was in fact the worst of the 148 super outbreak tornadoes. In the aftermath of this horrific event, many lessons were learned that have since been applied to various government agencies to mitigate hazards in subsequent severe weather outbreaks. Improvement in communications, warning systems, emergency preparedness, and forecast techniques and equipment have been implemented since the super outbreak, with the end result being increased lead time for warnings, more accurate forecasts of events, greater public awareness, and more reliable communications. In 2010, Apple released their first iPad. Long before the first iPhone, Apple was experimenting with tablet-like form factors and devices like the Newton MessagePad PDA or prototype hardware such as Penlight, a ta tablet device based on a PowerBook. Neither of these activities turned into the iPad or really found much commercial success. Apple continued to work on the concept, eventually crafting a new multi-touch tablet prototype in 2004. Although originally slated to launch before the first iPhone, Apple's leadership eventually decided that the smartphone was more important. 
The original iPhone debuted in 2007. Almost immediately after its release, rumors started circulating that Apple had some type of tablet in the works, and Apple Insider was one of the first venues to talk about it. Just three years filled with furious speculation later, late Apple CEO and co-founder Steve Jobs unveiled the very first iPad on January 27th of 2010 at the Yerba Buena Center in San Francisco. Apple's original iPad, announced in January, landed in the public's hands on April 3rd. That first version featured a 9.7-inch display, an Apple A4 processor, and up to 10 hours of battery life. It started at $499 with storage options topping out at 64 gigabytes, and interestingly, it featured a squared-off edges similar today to today's iPad Pros. But what may seem fairly archaic by today's standards, the device did not have a camera. The original iPad heralded the age of the tablet for the average consumer after a decade of half-baked ideas on the Windows side. Apple sold about 300,000 at launch, and by May 3rd, that number reached a million. Though by the end of 2010, iPads were outpacing Mac sales on a quarter-by-quarter basis. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com 1860 Pony Express Service at NationalPonyExpress.org The Super Outbreak of April 3rd and 4th, 1974 at Weather.gov And 2010 Apple releases the iPad on AppleInsider.com The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.